There are fewer than 30 men in the world qualified to drive Formula One. A mere half dozen, perhaps, to win. At this moment, I'm inclined to think you're not one of them. This is Desiree for F1Weekly.com. I'm your in-depth correspondent. Let's go with the qualifying, Steve. Welcome to F1Weekly.com. My name is Clark Rogers. I'm the host of the program. I'll be joined by Nasser Hamid, my co-host. This is podcast number 977, January 30th, 2023, Nasser. Thank you, sir. I say, Mr. President... Under pressure, Johnny Herbert and Paul De Resta falling from sky. Jensen to button up for Le Mans in an NASCAR. We shall explain gladly. And now back to Mr. Pence of podcasting. Thank you, Nasser. On today's program, Acura takes their first GTP victory at Daytona. Mohammed Ben Sulayem under fire again. Button goes Le Nascar, and Stroll, says Fernando, is inspiring. And we have more awesome interviews with another karting champ and a member of the F1 Weekly Familia. And just a reminder, we need you to order your Motorsports Memories 2023 Formula One calendar called Crosstown Traffic. Please. Just a click on the F1 Weekly merchandise page will get you said calendar. And of course, this pays for everything throughout the season for F1 Weekly memo pads to paper clips. So there you have it. And don't forget, we need your contributions to keep this program on the air. Just click on the support F1 Weekly tab. You know, you have to. Nass, welcome to the studio. How are you? I am doing very good, sir. Thank you. I had a great time at Daytona on Saturday. What has now become an annual uh, ritual, met F1 Weekly familiar member Greg Goodaitis, and I also made some good contacts and had an interesting chat with a gentleman by the name of Bill Cobb. He has been with BMW Motorsports for many years. How is the Duke of Dijon Prenois doing on the Pacific Coast? Well, the Pacific Coast is sad. And we're taking it right in the gut. The Niners lost, and it was tragic. Purdy went down with an injury. So we're here. Blue, 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 Christmas. So there you have it, Nass. But everything will be fun and adventurous in a couple of weeks when we start thinking about these new 2023 cars and the adventure that's going to begin. Yes, sir. We are only a few days away from February, and so that should be very, very good. But, you know, let's start today from the top. I guess they were right all along, Mr. Rogers. Kaka rolls downhill. As you mentioned, the president of FIA, Mohammed bin Sulayem, is under the spell of Glenn Fry. The heat is on. They say loose lips sink ships, and in this modern day, so do tweets on social media. El Presidente posted on Twitter, and I'm not sure if he had expressed written consent of Elon Musk, but this is what he said, and I quote, As the custodians of motorsport, the FIA, as a non-profit organization, is cautious about alleged inflated price tags of $20 billion being put on F1. Any potential buyer is advised to apply common sense. Consider the greater good of the sport and come with a clear, sustainable plan, not just a lot of money. End quote. Not surprisingly, this did not go down very well with the poor people in the corporate headquarters of Liberty Media and even poorer team principal at organizations like Mercedes and Red Bull. 
Feelings and purses were so hurt that Liberty Media sent a letter of complaint to FIA's World Motorsport Council. But wait, there's more. The finest from Fleet Street have been busy doing a Randy Travis on Muhammad, digging up bones. And this is what I love about the media. They discovered sexist comments made by the president over two decades ago on his personal website. The comment he made was he does not like women who think they are smarter than men. Now the FIA obviously has responded. These are serious allegations, especially in this day and age. And the uh, FIA statement said, Ben Sulayam has a strong record in promoting women and equality in sport, which he is happy to be judged on, and that this was a central part of his manifesto. The remarks in his archive website from 2001 do not reflect the president's belief. End quote. My take on this is, facts are facts, but digging up bones from two decades ago should be left to cold case detectives. As Mr. Gerhard Berger said at the time of Max Mosley's Devo video, there are no angels in Formula One or anywhere else for that matter. Now, Mr. Rogers, your 100% non-PC, very liberated French onion soup opinion on this. Well, it was a dirty, rotten trick. But we've seen this before. We've lived through the Flavios and the Ron Dennises and the Jeanne-Marie Balestre and everything else. So this is par for the course. But I have to admit, the FIA could be out of sync because an American company is running the show here. And they seem to forget in America, the first thing you do is throw a lot of money at it. And then you come up with all those wonderful and charming ideas. When all is said and done, I think we should invite Mr. Chris Ria to the Palatial Studios for final words on this situation. The sins of the past have come. See how they sit down together. Outside my window, outside my door, and I know the reasons what they all come here for. Next item on the agenda, Mr. Rogers, is Herbert and DeResta falling out of sky. This was the big news, and for many, not the good news before the start of the season. What's your take on this? Uh, I, You know, the problem is if I say it, <laughs> then I'll get in big trouble. But see, they're trying to be more reflective of the global community in their personnel so it reflects the greater folk that are watching Formula One and not just a bunch of those angry guys. Are you, are you trying to say that they're going to bring in Lola Falana as one of the expert commentators? Correct. Okay, I get it. My brother. Okay, well, Johnny Pretty Boy Floyd started with Sky Sports when they got the rights to Formula One broadcast in 2012. In his racing life, he won three Grand Prix races, and they were all very important. Silverstone and Monza in 1995 with Benetton, and in 1999, at the Nürburgring, he gave Jackie Stewart his one and only Grand Prix win as a team owner. You know, I've met him. You know, you remember you and I met him at uh, uh, Laguna Seca many moons ago? Oh, yeah. Very nice guy. Yeah, very nice. And I've met him many times at different tracks and always very approachable and all that. So I'm going to miss him. Now, Mr. Paul Di Resta who I must mention in case people have forgotten, he is the cousin of Dario Franchitti. He raced in Formula One with Force India before joining Sky TV in 2016. He also raced in DTM and once upon a time fought a battle in the Halls of Justice against Anthony Hamilton, who used to be his manager. And once upon a time, Anthony Hamilton also managed Nick DeFries. Uh, when they are showing the races on NBC, they're still carrying the Sky broadcast, right? With Martin Brundle and Crofty? 
Exactly. That's all we get. There, there's no American cast like we had back in the old days on Speed Channel with David Hobbs and Steve Matchett and all the gang. Oh, well, Steve Matchett's not American, but he's, he's British and Americanized because he loves North Carolina. Yeah, they were very American, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, they always had Bob Varsha. Okay, now, you know, on the Formula One um, official website, um, the feed is not David Croft, it's somebody else. I think, you know, we interviewed this gentleman, Tom Gaymore, he's there sometimes. And uh, I think Damon Hill, uh, I'm not sure if I've heard him there, but it's uh, different people, which I was very surprised. I thought Sky TV was the big kahuna for uh, British uh, TV audience. Sir, this is very interesting information. High-tech Falcon. If you wish to see Max in flight, you have to go inside his Deso Falcon 900EX, which is a long-range version of their business jet. You will definitely not find him in the cattle class of Frontier Airlines. He bought this plane from Sir Richard Branson, the high-flying founder of Virgin Atlantic. According to widely published report, Max is now installing a racing simulator on his private jet. I think that's a good idea to sharpen his skills against the possible uprising of his Mexican teammate. Long to story short is, life can be very tough when you are making only $2 million per month. And if you're hanging out in Monte Carlo, most of it is tax-free. So that's wonderful. He's trying to reach your standards, Mr. Rogers. That's what it's all about. Okay, now, what do you make of JJ and JB teaming up for LM? I think it's all in remembrance of our buddy, Mr. France. And I think it's awesome. And I wish I could be there. But I just wish there was one more member on the team. Dick Trickle? <laughs> well, sometimes they call him Fernando Dick Trickle Alonso. You know, I have a feeling that's what uh, Ron Dennis calls him. Bravo, Prego. Yes. Well, NASCAR announced Saturday the driver lineup for its Garage 56 entry in this year's uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans, featuring best of both worlds. Seven-time NASCAR Cup champion Jimmy Johnson will team up with 2009 Formula One champion Jensen Button. You know, Jensen Button now lives near uh, in the Santa Barbara area of California. They will be joined by Le Mans winning driver from Germany, Mike Rockefeller, in a next-gen Chevrolet Camaro ZL1 or ZL1, if you're right, sir, the U.S. And the car, I understand, will be entered by Hendrick Motorsports. Now, taking into account how Jimmy Johnson's indie car career has gone, I think when he is driving that Pichon Camaro at Le Mans, his team may ask, Car 56, where are you? Car 54, where are you? And he may respond by saying, Damn, I'm at Mulsan and this thing is not turning left. Now that could be an issue, right? It could be. How do you think they will do that? I think they're going to have a lot of fun. And I have to mention this little nugget that garage 56 is the only garage at Le Mans that asked the ACO for a spittoon. Oh, really? Exactly. But they don't want to make a mess on the floor in France. That's that's very good. I'm, so, I'm sure people at Holman Moody and would be very proud to hear that. It's very possible. Okay, now we move on to No Numero Uno at Maranello. Morning has broken. Morning has broken like the first morning. And Frederick Vassar has spoken. According to him, Ferrari team has all the ingredients to win the title and there will be no number one riding a prancing horse unless it is required, and then he will make a decision. I say, Carlos Sainz Jr., per favore, pick up the white courtesy phone. Mr. Vesser, who is replacing Senor Pinotto, as we all know by now, said, and I quote, 
we will have the capacity to provide them with exactly the same car and the same structure and the same support. What is clear is the target is to win with Ferrari. There will be no number one or number two. But if at one stage we have to take action, I will take action. End quote. And Mr. Rogers, we all know how this works out. The faster driver will get the green, green grass of home, and number two will get the hay left out in the rain. Kind of like someone left the kick out in the rain. Monza Park could be the MacArthur Park of Formula One. And that's the way the cookie crumbles in motor racing. Next, sir, money moving around. Alfa Romeo has announced a crypto betting company stake as its new co-title sponsor in place of Orlin. Orlin, they are now moving to Alfa Tauri cars. Now, this was interesting, and I like creativity. Stake is operated by a business called Medium Rare, and I think the company is based out of Ser Serbia. No Orlin money means no reserve driver role for Robert Kubica at Sauber Alfa Romeo. And Orlin is a oil and gas company from Polska Republic. And sir, you know, we look at the web and try to get some information and share with the F1 Familia family and credit where it's due. I saw a story um, on RacingNews365.com written by a gentleman by the name of Luke Murphy. Title of the story is F Great F1 Drivers with Terrible Home Race Records. So we are calling this segment Home Not So Sweet Home. Here is some information on some of the drivers who won a lot of races and in some cases championships, but victory on home soil did not come their way. Now Carlos Reutemann was not on their list, so I added this information. He, like Mario Andretti and Jacques Villeneuve, also started his first Grand Prix from pole position, in his case, uh, just as with Mario, on home soil. Unfortunately, he was unable to make the local hombres happy with victory, despite racing for many years in Formula 1. But he did have a lot of success in neighboring Brazil, winning three times, including giving Michelin, their first Formula One Grand Prix win in 1978 as a Ferrari driver. Next we come to JB Jensen Button, raced in his home Grand Prix 17 times. British drivers have been very successful at their own race. Apart from world champions, even those who did not become world champion took victory in their home race. This includes Sterling Moss, John Watson and Johnny Herbert. In his championship-winning season 2009, JB was on the podium in the first seven races of the season. The British Grand Prix was round eight, and JB could only finish sixth. Surprisingly, he never even made it to the podium of the British Grand Prix. Three times he was fourth. Next, Daniel Ricciardo, the Honey Badger, made a sweet debut for Red Bull in 2014 by taking second place in the season opener in his home country. But the lawman said, not so fast. He was disqualified for fuel flow issue. He never made it to the podium in Albert Park. This year he should do that. I would like to see him do the post-race interviews on the podium. That'll be nice. His best home finish was fourth in 2018. Now we come to one of our favorite. Rubinho, Rubens Barrichello. He took three pole positions for the Brazilian Grand Prix 2003, 2004 and 2009, but was never able to do a winning Lombarda with Scuderia or any other outfit. Next on the agenda, Charles Leclerc. He may be able to walk to the track from his home, but he has never been on the top step of the podium in Monaco. He took pole position in 2021, but retired before the race began due to the gearbox problem sustained from the crash in Collie. And sir, this has been a public service message uh, provided to members of F1 Weekly Familia, and it's not a paid commercial. And once again, the story is on RacingNews365.com. 
Mr. Roger, are you ready for some Dasani? I am. And on that note, Nas, we'll be back after this brief message. Are you in business and want to make a hard-hitting visual impact that gets your name and message promoted? F1 Weekly knows from experience that the creative team of Keaton Designs are graphic design geniuses and a company that can give your brand a visual pop in a cost-effective way. Contact Keaton Designs at KeatonDesigns.com for visual messaging solutions that get your business image seen. Welcome back to F1Weekly.com. Clark Rogers here, your host. In now, as we spin the globe and go around the world with Motorsports Mondial and the king, the Swami himself, Nasser Hamid. Thank you, sir. Today we have action from Daytona to Arabia. And we shall start with an interview with a young Brazilian karting prodigy who is racing here in the U.S. for the last few years. His name is Enzo Vidmontien, and he was racing in St. Petersburg um, a couple of weekends ago. I went there, met him, and I would like to thank him for his time. And also thanks to his team member, Mr. Austin, for making this uh, conversation possible. Please enjoy. Okay, sir, I'm here with a young, fast kid from Brazil by the name of Enzo Vidmontien. Enzo, bon dia, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm preparing for my final, and I think I'm going to get P1. So I hope I do great today. Okay. You told me uh, you're from Sao Paulo, place I have been to. Uh, your country has produced three great world champions, Emerson Fittipaldi, Nelson Piquet, and Ayrton Senna. Who is your favorite? Ayrton Senna. Good choice, same here. Okay, you were Brazilian karting champion in 2018. Uh, tell us about your karting life while you, were, while you were living in Brazil. It was like ups and downs. I was always not really that great. That time I was only karting for like four months. And then in 2018, I actually got second. But with the penalty, I actually got first in the champion the championship of the Gaja Viana track and yeah. A lot of young talented Brazilian drivers go to Europe. What made you to embark your um, journey, racing journey in the US? I've been doing great here I guess. I've been in junior for like one year now and I've been in the top three so hope I do good. Okay. You may know this, uh, karting started here in the US uh, from California in the late 1950s. How competitive is the American karting scene, karting scene today compared to the karting in your country? But here is definitely way harder. There, the level is like a little bit less because the carts there are like kind of slower, and here it's like a lot faster. And the competition here is like big level. So, have you done any karting in Europe? No, I will this year. Where do you plan to race? Italy. Oh, that's the place. Okay, in 2021, you had a great season winning both national titles for the mini division in U.S. Pro Kart Series and the Scusa Pro Tour. Uh, which series was more difficult to win? I'll probably say Pro Tour because the tracks are probably a lot harder. And who are some of your biggest competitors? At that time, it was probably Matias or Huela. And How about this year? Oh, uh, this year is probably Steven Miller, Leonardo Scorpioni, and Chase. He's he's been Your teammate. Yeah, my teammate. He's betting. He's getting really fast lately. Like this weekend, he's been getting top five, and he's been faster than me in some practices. So. Is it more fun beating your teammate than other drivers? Nah, it's not. You sure? Positive. Okay, good, good guy. Okay, tell us about your victory in the Scusa Super National, which I understand is the biggest karting event in this country. A mini? Uh, when you won the Scusa Super National? Oh, the Super Nats? Yes, Super Nats. Oh. It was hard. I started 16th and I started 16th and won. I got really lucky because in the last lap, the kid in second, he was holding up everyone and I got away and I won by like two seconds. Okay, cool. Now, how long you plan to uh, 
stain carting and when you move into single seaters which series would you like to raise first um, will it be here or Europe probably here and then I'll move my way up to Europe and how long before we see you in single seaters probably like two years or two years or three yeah how old are you now how old are you now? Uh, I'm 12 okay so yeah you could be in Formula 4 right or Formula Juniors okay uh, who is managing and guiding your career at this stage Jake, Jake Motas, the owner of Motas Sports. Okay. And you had success with another team also previously, right? Yes, Team Benek. Okay. What's the main difference between the two teams? The chassis over here is a lot better, and the chassis over there is really good. But there, the mini chassis is really good, but the big one is just a Tony cart. So, and here, this team, Motas Sport. We do the Perlin that I think it's a lot better. So, If you have a chance to win the Indy 500 or the Grand Prix of Brazil in Formula 1, which, what will, which one will you take? Grand Prix of Formula 1 in Brazil. Formula 1 is your goal? Probably, yeah. Okay, great. Uh, do you have any message for our listeners? Or you can tell them about your social media. Uh, my social media, I have TikTok and Instagram. Um, on Instagram, it's Enzo uh, underline Enzo. Uh, I mean Vidamontian, and on TikTok it's like underline and E point underline Enzo one nine five underline something like that. Okay, thank you so much for your time, Enzo. Thanks for joining F One Weekly dot com, Nasser. Yes, sir. Now let's talk a little bit about Daytona twenty four hours. They are saying that it was the biggest crowd this year and. You can get an idea by the parking lot, which was totally jam-packed. And uh, as far as the result is concerned, I have to borrow a line from their own ad and say, precision-crafted performance from Acura, winning the biggest sports car race in the U.S. two years in a row. As far as Daytona 24-hour result is concerned, I have to borrow a line from their own ad and say, Precision-crafted performance from Acura, winning the biggest sports car race in the U.S. two years in a row. Driving force behind the wheel were Tom Blomquist from England. We've got a quick opener from uh, from Tom here, and then we'll go back to questions. Uh, so Tom Blomquist, uh, driver of the number 60, Meyer Shank Racing Acura, ARX 06. Tom obviously started from the pole. Team has been out front uh, pretty much throughout the race to this point. So far, so good, but a long way to go. Uh, what, what did you make of your first uh, stint out there? Yeah, it's um, honestly that was the longest time I've been in the car since we since we got got it. So I think that kind of says a lot in a way. You know, we we're just kind of driving into the unknown now, and uh, you know we've done everything we can. We know our car is is a good car. It's a strong, fast car, um, which is obviously very promising um, to start this new GTP era. But there's so much that we're. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's a weird word to to say, but it, you know, it almost feels like we're we're kind of winging it a little bit, you know, because there's so many um, things that we just need to understand that we haven't kind of been through. Even, for example, you know, putting so much mileage on on the tires. Um, yeah, it's just a constant learning curve. So it's it's even for me as a driver, um, you know, having to to change the tools that I have available to myself that you know can influence the balance. Just all those little things is you just it's a constant learning curve and and not only for me um, but for the team the team massively so yeah we're we're obviously you know at a good start to the race yeah that's like twenty two hours ago so uh, uh, there's yeah anything can happen yeah I think you've seen already you know some cars have already run into some some early issues so it's going to be chaotic you know fingers crossed it, it holds together for us Elio Castro Navas from Brazil and this was his third in a row so very impressive. Your French homeboy, Simon Pagenaud, and local yokel, Colin Brown. Colin, you're in a good long stint there, very strong. I think I heard you say at the end that last stint, I think you went like two and a half stints on one set of tires. So so talk us through how your entire stint went. Yeah, it, uh, it went good, I would say, from my end. Um, for us, we're just trying to learn a lot about tire dag, the different two compounds of tires we have from Michelin. So I think for us, it's a little bit more about learning for the end of the race than it is anything else. You know, obviously the, uh, the Acura HPD car is fast for sure. We have, uh, we have a good performance. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of trying to, to understand what we have for the end of the race, really play with some of the tools we have inside the car, see what they race like. Obviously 
you know, no one's run a GTP car in a, in a race before. So just trying to learn as much as we can, set ourselves up good for the, uh, for the end of the race. And yeah, enjoyed it. You know, had some good battles out there for sure. Uh, GT traffic is wild. Like always. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get so much, uh, such a speed difference with the GTP cars over the GTDs, uh, in the trioval into the bus stop. Uh, so we get in these situations sometimes where you have no choice, but to go somewhere with the momentum. And uh, a lot of times, we, you know, end up going three wide, really tight but um luckily everyone's paying attention so far so hopefully it stays that way hey uh, uh mikey mcguire motorsport week uh colin you were uh, very aggressive on your first stints in the car making moves around lp3 cars and probably the move of the race so far threading the needle between that p3 car and the wall so what was the uh, what was the mindset behind that kind of aggression this early in a long race yeah i think it kind of goes back to what i said you know you get so much good momentum going you've just got to go somewhere with it you know with uh with the all the cars being close in speed you know you can't kind of make a move and then jam the brakes on in the middle of the oval. And I think it's almost more risky sometimes to do that than it is just to kind of keep committing to what you're doing. I was definitely close to the wall for sure. I, uh, you know, my NASCAR experience came in handy definitely when you're, you know, running close to the wall like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think it's one of those things in traffic here, you know, you've just got to be, you got to be smart. You got to make some good moves, but you got to be decisive. And I think the, the worst thing you can do is, you know, be indecisive and, or, you know, do something surprising. So yeah, for me, it felt, um, you know, it didn't feel ultra risky. Um, certainly I think it was Ranger in the car, in the L1 car, and he definitely made a big, big block down the back straightaway that I just let him have it. Uh, it will bang door someday down the road, I'm sure. But uh, it wasn't going to be right now. So, yeah, for me, it was, you know, kind of business as usual. Colin, could you describe an outlap and how tricky and nerve-wracking it is on fresh tires? Man, yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's so slippery in the GTP cars. And, um, you know, once you get the tires switched on, it's you kind of feel like, oh, okay, I've made the stint without making a fool of myself. It's, um, it's so easy to make a little, little bit of a mistake, a little bit of a slide slip. Yeah, you know, I'm not exactly sure why it's the case. You know, certainly in the other classes I've driven uh, with the Michelin tires, the, you know, the outlap is, of course, cold tires. You got to bring them up. But for some reason on the GTP car, the way that it works or how we put the energy into the tire, uh, man, it is slippery. It is super, super slippery. And so, you know, surviving for us, surviving those outlaps and, and again, learning how close to the edge we can get without going over. I think early in the race, hopefully pay some dividend towards the end of the race. And, um, you know, it's, man, it's very different temperature too, right? If the ambient temperature is a little warmer, a little cooler, it's massively different in kind of what the warm up process is like and, and how quick you can go. But, uh, yeah, it's a big, big, uh, part of our pre-race meetings and, you know, trying to decide what we do, how hard we push, how aggressive we can be a lot of time to be made. Also a lot of, you know, time to be lost slash you know, going to the garage because you crash into something time to be lost. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun, I would say. No, you know, uh, they were saying that, uh, Castro Navas winning three in a row that has not been done since Peter Gregg in the 1970s. So this guy is doing very well. Three Daytona 24 hour wins four uh, uh, wins at Indy. So very, very impressed. Impressive. Another Acura finished second in the hands of Tricky Taylor, originally from South Africa, but now racing as a local lad, and I believe his family lives here in Florida. And as we all know, he is the son of Wayne Taylor. We have uh, Ricky Taylor, driver of the number 10, Konica Minolta Acura ARX 06, currently running fourth. Ricky, uh, one stint down here in the 2023 Rolex 24. Uh, what, how's, what's it been like out there? Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, it seems like everybody's running well. I flat spotted the left front very early on, battling with Nasser. It seemed like a Rolex 24 like usual, pretty, pretty frantic from the start. Uh, everybody really fighting for their position. It was a lot of fun. I uh, ended up face, you know, paying for that flat spot later on, just trying to save energy and brakes cooling down and kind of learning some new lessons with uh, saving energy and how to keep some heat in the brakes. And so, yeah, it's, the car's good, though. Uh, very happy the guys have done a great job to get the car ready. Uh, I think, you know, rather than just a 24-hour, this has been an eight-day event for the guys just not sleeping. So really, really proud of the guys to get to this point. And it's not a rest from here. It's, it's a little more intense. But, yeah, really happy to be running where we are. Hi, Ricky. 
it does seem a little chippy right off the bat. Does that surprise you? Did, because there's still so much unknown in the class. I mean, were you expecting people maybe to take it easy a little bit here at the beginning or that you didn't think that was going to be the case? Well, I don't know if I was the only one <laughs> that was pushing. Um, but uh, fighting with Nasser and Tandy, they both made it hard, really hard the first time. And then Nasser eventually let me go. So, yeah, I feel like we have a very strong car. Uh, you never know with this race. Obviously, we talk about reliability a lot, but you don't want to, you know, just take it easy and lose a lap or somebody's going to make it. We're going to we're going to push as hard as we can. This is it's also the Rolex 24. It's also kind of draws you into that sort of uh, that sort of racing. And you always want to keep the car up you know, near the front if you can. You don't know how long it's going to stay green for. We've had a very long green stretch here and barring that, you know, lap two uh, yellow. It's been uh, very, very much flat out. So. We're going to try to keep the Kanaka Minolta car as far to the front as we can. Um, and, yeah, I have no doubt that if, the, if everything holds together, we've got a very, very strong car for the end of the race. His co-drivers were Felipe Albuquerque from Portugal, Louis de Letras from Switzerland, and Dr. Marco's two-time stepchild, Brendan Hartley from New Zealand. Third was Sebastian Bordet from Le Mans, now residing and shopping at Publix in St. Petersburg, which is, you know, 20 minutes from where I am. We have a driver of the number 01 Cadillac Racing Cadillac V LMDH, Sebastian Bourdais. When I just glanced at the timing monitor, it looks like that car is leading here. So, Seb, one session down, a long, long way to go here in the Rolex 24. What did you learn the, that first uh, stint? Yeah, uh, tricky conditions, I think. Uh, very windy out there, obviously, pace. Uh, I was kind of, like, at the beginning, you know, going and be like, eh, it's all right. It's not too quick, but track's got to come to us. And actually, the track kept getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, quite a bit of uh, of tire deck because we're just sliding around so much. Um, definitely really tricky when you got that very strong tailwind. So uh, hanging on to the car and uh, not uh, not forcing the, the matter, but really actually struggling to not overdo it because it's uh, the limit's really early and you're sliding around very quickly. Um, so... Yeah, traffic's obviously a, a huge factor. Um, end up very often the time just having to back off cars side by side, just kind of telling you go, but they're barely giving you enough room to go in there. And that early in the in the, in the stage, you just kind of double, you know, think twice about it. Um, so you're losing chunks of time in traffic. But honestly, I think uh, from what we're seeing early on, it's probably going to be a complete game of attrition. So. It sounds really crazy to uh, make you know any irrational decisions and take any chances in traffic. Although sometimes you're losing up to five seconds and you're really biding your time, but um, better that than end up stuffed in the <laughs> in the wall on the on the oval by a GT. So uh, yeah, quite quite tricky, but uh, overall pretty happy with our Cadillac Z01 and uh, just uh, running laps. Scott Dixon from New Zealand and Dutchman Rengo van der Zande. They were his teammates. Penske perfection, shockingly, was nowhere to be seen in the top 10. In fact, the highest place Penske Porsche was 14th, driven by Felipe Nasser, Matt Campbell, and Dean Michael Christensen. In Mr. Rogers, once upon a time, Michael Christensen was dreaming of Formula 1, but Esteban Gutierrez became his nightmare in Formula BMW Europe. Now, on a separate note, I did not see His Majesty, but according to Romain Grosjean in the press conference, Gunther Steiner was at the track on Saturday. So that was interesting. And so here is one of our routine now. Uh, pleased to say one of our long-time listeners, Mr. Greg Goditis. Uh, he is a regular at this race and has been listening to our podcast for over a decade. So that's very good. And always a pleasure to meet and chat motorsports with members of the Familia. This year, he was attending the race with a couple of his racing buddies, and we recorded a conversation as the cars were racing by at night. Uh, my thanks to them for their time, and please enjoy our after-dark conversation about major racing. Okay, folks, nighttime at Daytona. I'm here with member of F1 Weekly Familia, Greg Goodides. Greg, good to see you. How are you this evening? I'm doing great, Nasser. How are you? Very good, sir. Thank you. Uh, tell us uh, when you got here. Uh, we got here yesterday and uh, uh, arrived a little bit earlier this year and did some, some walking around and just enjoying the scenery. 
And I understand you're going to be up like a diehard fan watching the race. I am going to attempt to be up as a diehard fan. I've got three other guys here with me, or two other guys here with me that are going to try to keep me up. So That's great. Okay, uh, what do you like at Daytona this year? I mean, the series is on a serious uptake. What do you like this year? I, I, I'm just all about the racing, really, at this point. Just uh, the, the new hybrid era is kind of interesting. Uh, so we're hoping to, uh, to just kind of see what that brings to the sport. Okay. For those who have not been to this race, what will be your main reasons for fans to attend this race and wonderful facility? Uh, as far as new fans go, I, I think it's important that, that new people come here and actually see what this race has to offer. Uh, because it's a really neat, neat, uh, neat event, and I think it's it was underrated even 10 years ago and, and prior to me coming here. Uh, and I think it's it's just everybody we bring here. It's a pretty pretty neat event. They're they're always they always leave amazed. So you know, to me, it looks like the old glory days of Camel GT series are back, and I think this series is more uh, sort of popular in the U.S. right now than Indy cars. I think so. I mean. I have an IndyCar fan with me. What would you say about the uh, the IMSA series? Your name, please? Jacob Imsets. Okay, do you agree with what I said or do you disagree? I agree. Really? About this being more popular than IndyCar. Ooh. He's Not got a funny look on his face, so... Okay, you've been to the Indy 500 a few times. Uh, what has been the best Indy 500 in your opinion? Probably Elio winning his fourth, in my opinion. Were you there? Yes. I was there too. Were you disappointed that uh, Palu did not win? Um, to be honest, I'm not a huge uh, Ganassi Racing fan, so wasn't disappointed. And to actually see a four-time winner, that was really interesting. And we have diversified fans here. Sir, your name and you're a big NASCAR fan. I'm Doug Gerke. I'm a NASCAR guy, correct? Um, I think the excitement of this race is that you can be any type of race fan, NASCAR, IRL, IMSA, Formula One, and you can walk out on the grid and see your, your heroes walking alongside one another. I talked to Austin Sendrick today in a casual conversation, and a guy who some people think is a circle track driver and he's, a, he's got some road course prowess is going to put up a competitive run tonight in addition to Formula One drivers, IRL drivers, and IMSA drivers. It's just the only place where you get every series all packed into one. Are you a fan of tremendous racing talent, but known as Rowdy Bush? Uh, well, tremendous racing talent is, is interesting, right? Um, plus, here, here's the advantage of the Rolex 24. We're watching... The Porsche is my other ride. Drive right by us as we're standing here. I mean, you, you just don't get that at any other racetrack experience. It's incredible. And and I think you mentioned the Bush brothers. Is that who you mentioned here? Yeah, Rowdy Bush. Um, he's not my favorite, but he's really hard to hate because he is probably one of the most talented NASCAR drivers in the last 20 years. And the fact that you can hate the guy all you want, but he has the numbers to back it up. And I, I, I'm not a fan of him. But you can't you can't hate him just because he is probably one of the best NASCAR drivers. That also has ran 24s. He's run everything else you can imagine and done a good job of it. Do you think Joe Gibbs will regret letting him go? Uh, I think Joe Gibbs' pocketbook won't regret letting him go because it was a contract issue, and I think he looked at it from there's younger drivers who have as much potential talent as Kyle Busch does, but I think RCR is going to see a couple wins out of Kyle, and I truly think Kyle's going to retire here sooner than everybody expects because he's done it all, right? He's, he's got the laundry list of accolades, and I don't think he needs to continue driving to be one of the greatest NASCAR drivers we've ever seen. Yeah, he is a very good talent. Now, being a NASCAR fan, what do you make of Jimmy Johnson going IndyCar racing, and in your estimation, how did he do? So I was at the Indy 500 last year and got to watch Jimmy Johnson, which was great. It was disappointing as a Jimmy fan, but I do see he's running um, in Le Mans this year in the Garage 56 entry. I think they just announced it today. So I'm really excited because I think he's a more talented driver in other disciplines. A couple years ago, we got to watch him here at the 24, and so I, I just think he needed more than a year to make that transition into IndyCar, and I think if he had the capacity to do another couple years, he would have been a competitive Indy driver, but I just don't think one year or even two years is enough to make that transition. Okay, Greg, back to you. Uh, regarding Formula One, 
What are you expecting on the F1 front in 2023? Ooh, that's a tough question. I, I expect Max to be very strong. Even though, as I said before, I'm not a huge Max fan. Uh, I was sad to see Sebastian actually retire. Uh, I saw him in his first race at Indy. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to have a, an interesting season. Um, I think that uh, Ferrari, with the management change, is going to be a lot more competitive than they were. Mercedes is always going to be a, 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 a team to contend with. Uh, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with the Andretti Autosport uh, entry and all the, the I guess, controversy, controversy that's been going on with that. Um, I really like to see an American team actually um, get into Formula One, just because I think Americans need to to find something to get them into Formula One aside from drive to drive to survive um, and and be able to build that passion that I have for following Formula One for over 20 years. So, and speaking of Michael Andretti. Are you ready to see Colton Herta going into Eau Rouge in Michael Andretti's pink Cadillac in the near future? I, I think Colton in a, in a pink Cadillac would be awesome. We actually, Jake is a, as a Colton fan, big time Colton fan, and I think we would find 20 other guys like Jake that would follow Formula One if, if Colton was part of the part of the group. So I understand why the FIA didn't necessarily bring him on. I mean, the rules are the rules. Uh, but at the end of the day, we, we do need American drivers to uh, to support the series. Support. Okay, between the teammates, who will prevail? Lewis Hamilton or George Russell? Ooh. I, I would like to see somebody be very competitive with Lewis, i.e. George. Um, I think Lewis will still have, have the edge, but... Uh, I uh, just see who adapts to the car. They're going to build the car to what Lewis likes at this point. So, Lando Norris or rookie Oscar Piastri? I think Lando. My money would be on Lando for sure. Okay. Now, uh, basically, no brainers: Fernando Alonso or Lance Stroll. I would like to say Lance, but. Fernando Alonso for sure. And here is the toughest question. Max or Sergio Perez? Uh, hmm. um, maybe Max. Maybe Max. <laughs> I have to agree with you. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Any final uh, words to our listeners? Uh, no, I, I, I was just thinking I, I, I would be I, if, if I didn't say Fernando, Clark would probably get upset with me. So I kind of feel like I was pressured to say Fernando, but yeah, I, I think realistically Fernando will probably be the choice. How about you, sir? Uh, I'd just like to say I think this is a story of three different disciplines that are all having fun at one race. And what, what we've seen is that you just mentioned F1, Indy, NASCAR. Those three disciplines are getting a little bit closer to each other than ever before when you have drivers doing a split race or they're hopping into one more. And I, I think it's good for the sport because if you like racing, you like racing. So I think the, the 24, whether it's somebody hopping in for, a, you know, next year, I think we've talked, Carl Larson's going to be driving for the Indy and then the Coke 600. I just think it's a, it's exciting to see all three disciplines getting a little bit closer all together. It brings everybody together. Yeah, endurance racing seems to bring us all yeah. together. And the fact that if we like racing, we like racing. It shouldn't matter who's behind the wheel of the car. And you, sir. Question. Uh, question is any message uh, you can tell us about your favorite indie driver favorite track um one thing i want to touch on was jimmy johnson coming into indycar it was very humbling to see and you love a driver to challenge themselves but how difficult it can be in indycar um going from street courses road courses ovals um and different subjects like that but you love to see drivers mix it up because then that creates fans mixing it up and everybody follows racing and that's what we really need is a racing following to keep especially big races like this going on and stuff like that so thank you gentlemen thank you now sir uh, this is the best thing about this day and age and youtube there is a lot of action going you know they have formula regional which is used to be what Formula 3 Britain, Formula 3 Germany used to be. So in all these Formula 3 races in, around the world, Australia, Japan, South America, 
they are known as Formula Regional. So we have Formula Regional Americas also. So right now the Formula Regional Middle East and the UAE Formula 4 Championships are taking place. Dubai, Abu Dhabi and Kuwait. And at the same time, the, the series that used to be known as Toyota Racing Series, that's happening in New Zealand, but now they're calling it Formula Regional Oceana. So lots of motorsports all available on YouTube. Now, the, I don't know if you've seen this track, Mr. Roger. It's called uh, Kuwait Motor City. This is a beautiful track from the mind of Herman Tilke. Probably wider than Sepang. Fast-flowing uh, corners. I will highly recommend at least check a few laps of this uh, track, and I think you will like it. In Formula Regional Middle East, after two rounds, championship standings are Kimi Antonelli from Italy, 74 points. And D second is Dino Beganovic from Sweden with 62 points. Kimi is in the Mercedes Junior Program and Dino is in the Ferrari Driver Academy. And I say keep an eye on these two youths, folks. In the UAE Formula 4 Championship, Ugo Ugochukwu from New York City is leading the championship with 105 points. He is in good hands with Mr. Zach Brown. Last year, he raced in Formula 4, British uh, Formula 4. I think he was Rookie of the Year. And looks like he will be repeating the series, which is not a bad idea. And now we come to Race of Champions. Strong showing by Scandinavians in Sweden. Matthias Ekstrom won the Race of Champions for the fourth time. This time beating Mick Schumacher in the final, which was interesting. Now, twice in the past, the Swedish driver beat Mix Papito, Michael Schumacher, to win the race of champions. Can you imagine if you're a racing driver, whether you do it one time in a rally or paddleboard racing, if you beat Michael Schumacher, that is something you'll be proud of all your life. So that was very impressive for him. The nation, Nations Cup was a case of keeping it in the family. The winning combination for Team Norway was father and son pairing of Petter and Oliver Sol Solberg. And, you know, this event is organized and arranged by Miss uh, Michelle Mouton and her partner, who is from Sweden. Uh, did you watch any of the action, sir? I did. Very exciting and wonderful. I watched a lot of racing. I watched a lot of Daytona. That was a lot of fun, Nasser. Oh, yes, absolutely. The cars are beautiful and the place is very fan-friendly. You really enjoy going there every year. So we'll, we'll see what else I can do at Daytona this year. Now we move to Formula E from the latest hotbed of motorsports place called Diria in Saudi Arabia. Ex-F1 driver Pascal Verlein was the winner in race one. Second was Jake Dennis for Michael Andretti's team. Race two was on the Head and Shoulders program. Rinse and repeat, same result. Pascal Verlein first, Jake Dennis second. And sir, are you missing the Vietnam, uh, Vietnam Grand Prix? I am because I do get in the mood for pho every once in a while. Of course, Vietnamese Grand Prix has gone pho, huh? but I'm pleased to say there will be some Ho Chi Minh representation in motorsports this year. A French-Vietnamese kid by the name of Owen Tangavelu will race in Formula Regional Europe this season with the Italian Trident team. This is the same series where Toto Wolff's latest George Russell will compete in series this year, and of course that being Kimi Antonelli. Anything you want to say about any of the World Motorsports Action, Senor? Certainly, and I agree with you. To see Penske, Porsche, Falter was bizarre, but they were really getting to grips with the new technology, they had to replace the battery. And I'm not talking AutoZone battery here, my friend. And yeah, it was uh, pretty brutal to watch. Cadillac doing super, super good. And I'm sure that everybody was thinking about Cadillac and Formula One, how hip and cool it's going to be. And of course, Andretti's foray into IMSA now as they spread even further and further into other formulas. I, I thought it was just a great weekend. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Weather was good. And uh, the thing is, you know, both at uh, Daytona and Indy, every time I have gone, the experience has been very, very good. You know, people who work there, most of them are volunteers anyway. Uh, they are very, very um, good people uh, in terms of being nice to customers there. 
or racing fans. And you know, when you park there, it's a big facility. They have a tram service which runs on a regular basis. So it's, uh, you're not standing in line for two hours to get somewhere. So I really enjoy You should come here uh, one year, you know. It's, um, it's a great event, a lot of... Uh, and they have a lot of different categories, you know, LMP3, and there was uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge and uh, Mazda MX-5 Cup. So there's a lot of racing. Um, man, I'll tell you, the Mazda MX-5, you know, this used to be known as Mazda Miata, these little uh, convertibles. Man, they had a race which is available on YouTube. Very, very intense and complete pack racing. But surprisingly, there were hardly any uh, major issues. And I think they had two races, and I believe the, uh, even though a couple of guys spun here and there, but I think their race one went without any caution, which if you're racing at Daytona, is very, very impressive. So we'll see. Sir, uh, we're just days away from the start of the preseason testing. Are you excited? I am excited, and Max has been practicing in his simulator, and I know everybody's waiting, and I have to mention, Nasser, that as we are going towards the end of this podcast, we haven't brought up LCH. Not once? Not once. So there's got to be something good you want to say about the guy. Well, I saw a news item. He was quoted. I did not read the whole thing. And it was something like uh, people should not be making billions when there are so many hungry people. And, uh, you know, he can say anything he wants. Obviously, the man has the right to his opinion, the right to express it. But just don't bring it to the Grand Prix weekend, you know. There's a time and place for everything. So that's so now you know something about Lewis Carl Hamilton. And I still would like to see him win number eight. And if it happens, I'll be very happy. No question about it. But it's going to be very difficult. Max is on the go now. And he's got, he now in his teammate, in his team, he's got a bigger problem than he had with Nico Rosberg. Nico Rosberg was one season, I think, uh, not a one-hit wonder, but a one-season wonder. But And I'm glad he got his championship and walked away. Good for him. Going out on top is never a bad thing. But uh, we're going to find out after the preseason testing. It's three days in a row, I believe, right? And it's the only test session. All eyes are on your man, Fernando Alonso. That's true, and I, I want to remind everybody that LCH, of course, is donating all his billions to charitable organizations, and he's driving around sort of similar to Jerry Brown, I think, in a 1965 duster. Yeah, that's interesting. If Alonso is fastest for Aston Martin, will it be real pace, or will it be what you call every year sandbagging? <laughs> Well, there will be sandbagging, but let me let me tell everybody. Everybody will be really happy until Max walks off his brand new airplane. And then everybody's going to go, oh yeah, we forgot about Max. And then all of a sudden, bada bing, bada boom. Apparently, Mark Webber is, well, he's warning the world that once Max gets into town, nobody's got a shot. So... Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, LCH, George. Season's going to be between Max and Fernando. Well, Mr. Weber is right on the mark. Uh, once uh, Max gets in the car, gets going, the party will be over for all before it starts. Uh, you know, there were some reports which uh, Frederick Vassar is saying is nonsense that uh, Mercedes and Red Bull, they have found 10 more horsepower but ferrari has uh, found 30 more horsepower but you know last year their car was very competitive if the driver and the team don't screw up charles leclerc can will win the world championship you know i don't have anything against carlos Sainz, but something in me tells me if a ferrari driver is going to win the world championship it will be charles leclerc this year do you agree or disagree I do agree with that. Theoretically, it all sounds very good, Nasser. I like it. The people of Monaco like that answer. Once again, the only problem is that that wonderful guy, Max Verstappen, I think he's going to be hell-bent. Even, even if the Red Bull is not as competitive as the Ferrari, Max will still do what you call 
whoop ass. No, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, for uh, beat the sky all season long, especially the Ferrari drivers, they would need a car at least 0.3 to 0.5 faster than, uh, every race weekend. Because, you know, if you are 0.12, which we have already seen, if you are 0.12, point, maybe 0.3 ahead and you take pole position, he's still going to win. So they would need a very fast car. You know, this business of crashing while leading, you do that in Formula 3 and maybe Formula 2. And if you start doing that in Formula 1, I mean, Max does not need any help from any driver to win the championship. But if you're going to hand him a win and 25 points on a silver platter, uh, he's not going to say, give it to Checo. We already know how he feels about Checo. Well, he's a businessman, even though he loves Checo on the side. And once again, though, blacklisted from any Mexican food in the entire universe. So he paid a big price. Okay, sir. Now, finally, some good news. We will be enjoying the bite of a scorpion starting next month. I'm very pleased to say F1 Weekly podcasts from next month will also be available on Scorpion Radio Group here in the United States, which is part of Performance Motorsports Network. And my thanks to Mr. Bob Steele for making this happen. Mr. Rogers, what say you? I'm pumped up. The more people we reach, the more we can educate and give them our thoughts, get some feedback. I love it. Love it. It's going to be exciting, Nas. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. And speaking of Scorpion, here is a little of no one like you. Thank you for listening and please enjoy. <laughs>